Good morning, everyone. Friends, um, my friends, for last week, uh, Father Picton was with you on the weekend, and uh, as I was away, and uh, uh, the parable that was assigned uh, for that uh, spoke about God's word. In that sense, they said seed. God's seed is thrown everywhere, and it talks about the different reactions that uh, different people have to uh, God's words falling upon them. Uh, the parable today almost flips it the other way around. And uh, here, um, the soil uh, is the world or our church, and um, it talks about the different kinds of things that will grow in this soil. And Jesus uses wheats and weeds. Uh, weeds for them would have been darnel. Uh, darnel um, is a very toxic uh, type of plant. And uh, my friends, when I look at this, I know all of you have opinions as to who the weeds are in the world. Uh, some people may even think Father Mark is one. Uh, and uh, so be it. <laughs> my friends, in uh, ancient times, when wheat was planted and it started to grow, the darnel would grow along with it. Uh, oftentimes, the seed of the darnel was just in with the wheat, with the seeds of the wheat. Uh, in this case, Jesus uses something they understood, uh, this idea of the wheat and the weeds, and then use it, I think, perhaps to try and help people to understand why it appears that God is lenient towards evil. And um, the farmer, uh, as I said, the seeds were mixed with the wheat and could not be distinguished at first. By the time they could tell them apart, the roots were so tangled together uh, and that if they tried to remove the weeds or the darnel, the wheat would be pulled up with it and harmed. And uh, it's at the very end, from my understanding and for reading about it, uh, the wheat is brown looking at the end where the darnel is black. And that's how they're able to tell them apart finally. But we are told the farmer lets them grow together However, at the harvest time, the workers, we are told, uh, would have to separate them um, because, again, the darnel is very toxic to humans. And uh, so the parable reminds us of some important truths about God, about our church, and about our world. First, it uh, talks to us about God. Uh, God is very patient with everyone. And the first reading puts that forth for us. It says, you judge, meaning God, with clemency, and with much leniency you govern over us. And uh, I know there are times when I wish it was the other way around. Um, we want God to punish swiftly, and we want God with surgical precision to eliminate, and usually we want God to be very severe in his punishment of those who at least we consider to be doing wicked things. But do we really want God to respond this way? I think most of us can look back into our own lives and at times we have sinned and we have done wrong. And it's a great comfort to know that God is not so impulsive and reactionary as people are. I know I am grateful uh, for the times that I have failed, that God didn't swiftly come and slap me around, but was patient with me and... Uh, but my friends, let us realize, however, at the end there will be a judgment and a reckoning of everyone. Doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. You exist 
He believes in you because he created you. So to those who I don't believe in God anyway, well, you are still going to have to reckon with him in the end. And people may slip through the justice system of humanity without penalty, but they will not be able to slip through God's justice. And my friends, his judgment is eminently fair and it is final. And because that judgment is final, God will sometimes give us warning signs and wake-up calls. And those moments are moments of grace and tangible signs of his love for us. So we have this God that I call the God of second chances. And for some of us, third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, 50th chances. <laughs> All of us at some time needed that second chance. And in the same way that Jesus emulates the Father, we are to emulate the Master himself. So should we not give people a second chance also? If God the Father can do this, and Jesus has, cannot we do the same, as difficult as it may be and challenging? My friends, the parable also teaches something about the church. All kinds of wheat abound in the church, but there are also weeds in it. It always was and always will be this way until he returns. Some say of late, wouldn't it be nice to weed out the church from time to time? A more polite way would be, say, to prune some things. Well, my friends, uh, a church restricted to saints might be a very nice church, but it would not be the church that Christ intended. This church is not only a place to honor saints and for saints to be in, but it is also a church and it becomes a place for transformation of sinners. My friends, a story that was related uh, was of a pastor, and I'm assuming he's going to be a senior pastor, meaning he's older and has much more wisdom, uh, was confronting a parishioner who was disgruntled about many things in the parish, his decisions and everything, and the parishioner said, I'm leaving this parish and I will go to the perfect one. <laughs> to which this pastor replied, when you encounter and find that perfect parish, do not join it. Because once you join it, it will not be perfect any longer. <laughs> I may think that, but I will never say it. <laughs> the way the story was told about this pastor who did say it. I was like, oh, mercy. <laughs> so my friends... There's a truth in that, and the truth is all of us have growing and learning to do, and there is no perfect parish. So my friends, then, we should be very discerning about making final judgments and final condemnations on other people. This parable, I believe, also speaks about our world, and I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus presented it, but... Why does his father seem so lenient towards those who are wicked? And the easy answer is, God is lenient and patient because he desires conversion. And Jesus has told us in the Gospels, I desire nothing to be lost. My father desires nothing to come to an end. So my friends, in this world, you know this, you live in it, the wheat and the weeds both grow and both have power. 
Evil in our world is not just errors. Evil in our world is not just mistakes. Evil in our world is not just imperfection. Because evil has the power to destroy so intensely that it must have a personal being that drives it. And that being we call Satan, the evil one. Now, some people, even Christians, will say, oh, it is just a concept. And that is exactly what he wants you to think. He is just a concept. But in fact, Jesus spoke about the evil one. He said, I watched him fall from grace, like fire from the sky. But my friends, let us not speak of him, but let's speak about the Lord. For his grace is also a real and intense power in this world. It is, it too is very present and operating in our world. And uh, if one gets downcast from reading about the weeds and one only needs to put on the news, let us take time to notice the wheat that tangibly is at work and displays God's grace and presence of his son in our world. And this is what uh, in the parable, if you didn't notice, the servants were fixated on the weeds. Did you do this? Who did this? Who put the weeds in there? Should we go get them? Should we go get them? Should we go get them? And the parable, the master of the land didn't. He just said, let it be, let it be for now. At the end, the harvest will do this. So let us not be like those servants and focus and be fixated just on the weeds in the world. Let us take note of the wheat. And my friends, uh, um, we know about the weeds. We hear about it all the time. And we do absolutely nothing in a garden. And the weeds are coming no matter what. And perhaps they may seem to overpower at first. But my friends, one of the things I pick up in this parable but what shows the care of the gardener in the garden are not the weeds that exist, but the fact that the wheat is healthy. The gardener focused on his wheat. So it is not the violence, but the acts of goodness and love that uh, we should see and should encourage us always when we are downcast or for some who are in despair about current times. And despite the weeds in every time and in every place, there is still a harvest of wheat, of people who want to know God, who want to love God, who want to love others as Jesus has commanded, who want to serve God in this world and ultimately be with him forever in the next. And finally, perhaps the parable not only teaches us about God's patience, about some aspects of the church on earth and about our world, but I think it also asks us to not be distracted by the weeds, that we forget the wheat that exists among us, the Christian harvest, which is a sign of God's ultimate triumph. The wheat, the good in our world, is a tangible assurance that there will be a harvest, and there will be a harvest. Despite the weeds, and by our Lord's grace, there will be an abundant harvest. So the question that we're left with is, 
whether we'll be part of that glorious resurrection harvest or not. It's your decision. It always is. Choose wisely. And you'll have to choose every day because every day we're presented with this. Every day you must choose to be holy. Every day you must choose to be his disciples. And I wish it was, you got baptized and it was just done, but it's not. It's not how it works. My friends, I can give you a whole litany about what you should be doing as a gardener, but rather, I'd rather leave you with two things that you should not do. And it comes from Scripture. You do not return hatred with hate. And we do not respond to evil with evil. That is directly from the Master himself, Jesus. He responded with love. We have to we live with an uncomfortable tension with evil in our world. We have to be patient and lenient. We don't have to like it, and we don't have to accept it, and we don't just sit and do nothing. But we do not respond with hatred, and we do not respond with violence and wickedness. That's not how you combat. That's not how Jesus said to combat wickedness in the world. He responded always with love. So we must do the same. So do this. There's a whole litany of all the holiness, but you've heard this over nine years. I'm assuming that that's in your head already, <laughs> and you got it. I just want to remind you, because what seems to be, there's an awful lot of hatred going on, and an awful lot of, well, I will just use violence. No, no, no. No, no, no. There are some times when we must act quickly when life is in danger, but it appears that Jesus is saying, slow down, breathe, breathe. <laughs> Pray. Even Jesus, I was remembering the scriptures when Jesus got really angry because of the sellers in his father's temple and he made the whip. People missed the part that he worked on it all night long. Do, 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 do. Probably looking to see, are there tables still there? Yep. Do, 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 do. And then the next day he went in and he didn't harm them, but he threw all their tables around. Even this is the example of the patience and the type of retribution. No harm, but he definitely got their attention. Reverence, tomorrow is the memorial of St. Charbel. St. Charbel, most people don't know, never heard of him, uh, don't know who he is. Uh, I bring him up uh, because uh, he was a Maronite priest in that he uh, bridged between the Eastern Church and the Western Church and is a sign of unity. Both, both of us, both Latin Rite and Eastern Orthodox, recognize him. But um, of all the saints, of all the saints, he has the most miracles attributed to him, almost combining all the saints just to him alone. And I wonder, what is it about this particular saint. And uh, in the past couple years, there's been a lot of activity around his shrine. People of different denominations and different spiritual paths have come uh, to put their hands on his tomb and to ask for his intercession. And it seems like he does not fail them because the reports keep coming in more and more about 
miraculous events happening around this saint. And he lived a long, long time ago. And uh, I'm hoping, uh, I have to find out exactly where his shrine is. If it's in the Middle East, I'm hoping when I go there, uh, thanks to all of you, I can go and visit and see what's going on here. But I bring him up because in particular, uh, he was extremely helpful in his life when he was on earth to help those who had problems with the faith, doubted, doubted God, didn't understand, doubted the church. He helped them to uh, come to a different understanding. And perhaps that is why there's so much activity now around this saint. And uh, so if you have something of a particular need, why not call on him? He seems to be very, very powerful with, uh, with intercessions. Always, it's always God that does this. But uh, he seems to be very busy in heaven doing good things on earth for people. Amen?